Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Anne-Marie Lockhart and you are listening to Vox Poetica's 15 Minutes of Poetry. Now today we're going to split that time a little bit. I'm going to try to keep it as much of poetry as possible, but there's a little bit of a pull because my guest today is not only a poet, but he's also a sports guy. So um, it's going to be a little tempting to go off off script here and talk sports. Um, I'm going to introduce him. His name is his name is Patrick Shea, and uh, he's going to read a poem at first to open things up, and then we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Anne-Marie. Thanks. Um, what do you have to read there? We talked about this poem, and I heard you read it uh, just this past week, and it was kind of awesome, so I'd like to hear it again. Oh, yeah. Um, I had been, like you said, I, I host a sports show on Blog Talk Radio, actually, with my friend Sean called Balls Out Radio. I know, double entendres. They're fun. Um, but I, I had always wanted to write a poem about sports uh, that didn't, um, you know, stink. And I'd written plenty of bad ones before. I tried really hard. And um, I was up at 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning watching uh, the Australian Open over the last weekend. And um, I was watching the, the semifinal match with Andy Murray and David Ferrer in it. And there was just, I don't know, something about the Andy Murray story kind of pulled at me a little bit. So I started writing, and I actually came up with something that apparently wasn't horrible. And even if it is, um, I'm on the radio and you're not. So you're going to have to deal with it for a minute, 15 <laughs> seconds. Um, so, yeah, I wrote this thing called Breakpoint, January 28, 2011. And, uh, yeah, you want me to just get right into it? or? Yeah, read it. Okay, I will do so. Okay, Breakpoint. Andy Murray rips a forehand on the blue courts of Melbourne, pounds his rubber soles upon the ocean floor, and roars from a portion of his stomach only opened during war. It is the middle of my night, his afternoon, and no matter how hard Andy runs and sweats to hold his court, he can never catch me lying fish dead on the couch. Tennis is for gentlemen, decorum and national ardor, bearish pride and silver goblets, a rich athletic history which is not lost on Murray, chasing that elusive major win to calm the nerves of Britain and the whispers of Fred Perry. The years of labored training, the incessant sporting tabloids blaring headlines, Scottish second-rate can never topple Roger, but Roger has already fallen here. Now... It is a stocky Spaniard swatting green felt uppercuts, pugnacious racket haymakers as the crowd murmurs to match the burn in Murray's calves, the only piece of Andy screaming surrender as he presses on, a Scottish warlord on the ocean floor slicing forehands between seahorses, carving out his rightful throne between the great barrier reef and glory as I scratch myself and drift to sleep. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I, I liked it when I heard you read it the other night. We're going to talk about that separately. But first sure. I want to talk a little bit more about the sports thing because I did listen to your show. Right. Well, and, one, of, um, one of seven people. Thank you. No. <laughs> Somebody it was stopped. hilarious. It Thank was you. hilarious. 
I laughed the whole time. I am a big sports fan. I, I am, I'm a, I shouldn't say it that way. I am a particular sports fan. My first right. love is soccer. My second love is football. And sure. I like a lot of, you know, the other things that go with it. But really, baseball, I could do without. Mm. And I have to say, I'm glad I tuned in today when it's football season. And, you know, the basketball right. stuff was okay, too. Right. You guys yeah. were so funny. <laughs> Thank you. It's really the, the camaraderie between Sean and I, I think, is really good. And, and I think what's fun is that we talk to each other exactly the same way off the air as we do on. And we started as friends first, and we didn't just kind of formulaically throw together a radio show because we both happened to have reasonable voices for it. We just kind of it, yeah. it came up pretty organically, you know, in conversation about sports at an Applebee's, you know. And we're just like, you know what? <laughs> We are both self-involved enough to think that people will listen to this for two hours a week, so we just started putting it together. And, um, you know, it's, re- it's received a pretty reasonable following, and people are checking this out, and I, uh, I appreciate that because I, um, I spent a couple of years on the radio uh, at TCNJ where I went to college, and I was on at my, at my peak for about seven hours a week doing anything from news to music to talk to sports, and um, I miss it. You know, I really mm-hmm. missed it. I missed the opportunity yeah. to get on the air and just kind of connect yeah. to people who were doing all kinds of disturbing things in the background while I was on the air. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it's nice to know that you're talking to somebody while they're, you know, putting somebody in a plastic bag or, you know, buying a goldfish <laughs> just to eat or something ridiculous. So, you know, I like having that, that role and function in, in crazy people's lives. So. I I have to say, you guys are very knowledgeable about sports, and it didn't seem like it mattered what sport you were talking about. You guys had the stats, you had the players, you had it all down. But well, the um, part, my favorite part, was when you were doing the um, odd sports situations. You were giving each other a choice. Would you rather, Oh, you the know, would you rather, I, I, sure. And uh, Sean so hates funny. me for that bit. Sean hates <laughs> me for that bit because I came up with it, and he said, and, and I just, I don't, obviously I've already referenced, you know, people killing people and eating live animals in the last 45 seconds. So I I have a very different (laughs) idea of where the line is than most people have ideas of where the line is. So when I send the first draft of the script over to him or he sends the first draft of the script over to me for for the next day's show and we've got the Would You Rather segment on it, usually I just get it back with like four or five no's, absolutely not. No, you can't ask that question. You know, it's like, would you rather, I, I remember in college there was this game and they had a question that was like, would you rather eat a shot glass full of wasps or the shot glass? And I remember just being so disturbed by the question that I found it funny that somebody was presented a would you rather situation that was there was no better choice. It was just equally as awful. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll just generically just ask him a question, like, would you rather take a free shot from Troy Palomalu standing 40 yards away and giving him a head start, or would you rather Rex Ryan give you a foot massage? And it just is, it, it, you know, not 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 a good look generally, but I, I have fun making people squirm a little bit. So. I have to say, I thought that was just hilarious. I, I liked I I laughed the whole time. Now, and that brings me to something else because I have um, I've read a lot of your work and I've seen you read some of your work and um, one of the things that is really a theme that you is humor humor is in your work pretty much everywhere um, and it's hard because a lot of people you know humor can be 
uh, something to hide behind, or it can also really, I think, underscore vulnerability, which is one of the things you do very well. Sometimes okay. there's a little snarky edge to it. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. got a little, um, you know, distracting component to it. But I think it, you you do a really nice job of letting the humor kind of um, highlight the vulnerability of your work because there's a lot of that in there too. Well, you know, I even think in, so. the, in the tennis piece, you know, I think that comes out. I think that's there. I appreciate um, that. I mean, I think it comes it comes from two places really quickly. Just one, I wrote bad poetry for a long time, and I might still write bad poetry and just not know it <laughs> because some people have, you know, bought into the joke that let's tell him his work is good. It'll be really funny. Um, but I think I think it comes from, one, always just being very self-deprecating with my humor. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it also comes down to... I, I realized that I started becoming funny when I stopped trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I catch a lot of humor in work that doesn't initially seem funny, like stuff by Mark Strand or by Bukowski or anything like that, where they're not trying to be funny, they're just being unintentionally funny. So I, think, mm-hmm. I find that like the more the more honest I am about what I'm actually doing, like here's these two guys sweating to death on a tennis court fighting for their lives, and I'm just passing out feeling like I'm more important than them because I'm living my life. You know, there's yeah. something, I guess, inherently funny about that. I don't know. But. I I also think it's a great equalizer. You know, it brings out this sense of what you said, self-deprecating. It, it takes down all the things that separate, say, you know, the reader from his audience, and it puts hmm. you all on the same page, which makes it accessible. And uh, uh, there's a poem that you're going to read next that I want to kind of, um, I just, I, I wanted you to read this because you wrote this poem about an event that occurred, and you and I were both there for this. So I can right. attest to your account of it as being completely <laughs> on track and awesome in terms of accuracy, but even more than that, you know, it was this very surreal moment that oh, happened in an unexpected way, and it could have been received so differently, you know, but mm. but the way that you chose to hear it and to um, experience it and then to express it was so um, dignified. And I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you even like that word necessarily, but it, no, I thought, it, I thought it, she, I thought the woman that we're talking about absolutely was dignified. I thought the the entire and, situation was just really something that when I was younger and dumber, and I'm still pretty yeah. dumb, so imagine how stupid that was, um, that, that I would have just laughed my face off at because I wouldn't have understood how much it meant to her. And you and know? how much she could express by being just genuinely who she was in that moment, which, right. you know, um, it was really awesome. And I wanted I wanted you to read this poem because I wanted the, the wider audience to sure. get a sense for your interpretation of what, what that experience was like and if you would do that. Now, yeah, sure. Um, this, we're just uh, talking about something no one knows what we're talking about. Right. A little, <laughs> uh, just a tiny background of what happened. Uh, Anne Marie does a, a series, as a lot of you know, of um, of readings in Englewood, and uh, and the first one I went to, um, this woman got up who's very in, wearing traditional like South Indian garb, you know, the sari and everything, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously was I, I don't know, just very traditional, and got up and sang Home on the Range. Out of nowhere, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was so odd and such such a culture shock to me, and everybody else that I wasn't really sure what was happening or if it was real, but 
Um, I don't know. I was inspired to write a poem about it, which is rare because other people usually don't get me to write poems because I'm very self-taught. <laughs> so um, there's a poem called Calamity Rani, which is apparently in India means princess or some kind of female royalty. So Calamity Rani. She stands timid in her spotlight, swaddled by her silk wrap and Roy Rogers, a South Asian born-again cowboy, normally the prompt of joking fodder, but with her first note, that joke will not be told tonight, not from her frontier saloon girl lips, not by her scowling pioneer woman smile, pushing forth the covered wagon horses in an emerald sari and ten-gallon hat, a suddenly Bollywood Jean Autry has made me a nine-year-old cowpoke again, riding my grandpa's knee through Nebraska while the deer and the antelope play in the empty streets outside the Englewood Starbucks where she sings. And for three minutes, no one thinks 9-11 erroneously. We all just huddle in her covered wagon, driving westward through Apache Plains, fording chest-deep silted rivers for love of America, manifest destiny erupts from her buckshot musket mouth as Annie Oakley tips her worn-down hat to the brown girl with the jewel-toned sandals and the dream she forgot to leave in New Delhi. And that's great. And I think I, I think you really did put, um, put that moment in perspective. It was um, very unplanned, as open mics, as you <laughs> know, typically are. <laughs> very much. So. And I think that that captures it. Now, speaking of open mics, you um, are part of a writing group called The Adventure. Yes. Tell us uh, about very, that group. And very proud of it. Um, we actually came together last uh, last summer about, um, I just put an ad out on Craigslist, which was in, incredible because up until that moment, I didn't realize that there was anything to do on Craigslist besides buy somebody's old canoe or, you know, meet meet some kind of sex worker. Um, I had a really bad opinion of Craigslist, but um, now I just put an ad out under, under I don't even remember under what, um, probably a writer's section, and got a bunch of responses back, um, and just met a really eclectic group of people um, who wrote everything from free verse to freestyle to metric poetry to hip-hop-inspired work, um, and we've been pretty much... A, a functional unit ever since we've uh, gone out and done a couple of readings in Montclair, New Jersey, at HLS Restaurant and Juice Bar. Um, we've gone out and gotten you know published here and there in, in online journals like Vox, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and now we're kind of looking to the future and seeing now that we're pretty cohesive and we have a, a, a good understanding of each other and what we all kind of want out of our work and out of our lives. Um, just kind of looking to see what we can do for the community at large. So moving forward, we're we're looking to get into some charity-based work. Um, one of our members, Randall, actually works for um, a, a hospital that specializes in long-term care of ill children. And um, our, our big project coming up now is I think we're going to try to self-publish a limited number of books uh, of all our collected work on kind of a more positive bent or an inspirational bent to try to uh, benefit this network of hospitals and raise a little money and a little awareness towards their cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. 
there was a lot of energy in that group, and when I was at the reading, you know, that came out, that came through really, really strongly, um, and a really supportive um, vibe and sense of awareness for each other, and, and that was really nice to see. You don't see that all the time. <laughs> I, I have fun um, with it. I mean, it's really been it's been incredible for me. I didn't expect it, and it's usually that kind of thing that that ends up being the best kind of stuff in your life. So. I know I have yeah. a lot of love yeah. and a lot of respect for the people that I do I do this group with. Now, where can we find more of your stuff out in the world of the internet, which is the uh, you know the world you find people in these days? Right. Um, well, you can uh, I, I don't know you can email me directly. I don't care. I'll just delete you if you're creepy. But um, you can <laughs> you can find me directly. My name is Patrick Shea, spelled on. I guess the page you're listening this to, Patrick Shea, the number 83, at gmail.com is me directly. Um, I've also been published on Vox Poetica's website, voxpoetica.com. Uh, you can find me in two issues of Instigator Zine, which is a great little uh, zine printed by Keith, this guy Keith out of Bayonne. Um, you can check them out. Uh, I've been on Ascent Aspirations, Breadcrumb Scabs, Forge Journal Online, and uh, just a couple of different places. I am looking to put my first collection together through some small press or another. So uh, get in touch with me. I am out and about and am looking for places to place my work and do some readings. Um, and on that note, we are going to close with one of your more recent poems or part of one of the collections that you are currently shopping. Sure. You don't know what it is. I know. I don't. It's so dangerous for you because I could have just I know. written something last night that's <laughs> curse-laden with a lot of profanity and awful things, but no. Um, no, I, I chose this poem just because I think it's it's a little bit different than the other two, um, mm-hmm. but still kind of in my voice. Um, and it goes out to my friend Chris. Uh, it's called Rocket, and it's about a night uh, kind of walking home from a nightclub. I know he snorts cocaine to cope with off-handed Fridays, the brat pack sunglasses he sports in glitter-soaked nightclubs snitch on him at 3 a.m. The boy's a tragic little mess, but oh my God, he dances bumps between bumps and grinds, and my sober mind stares at his heaving hips and smiles. In the dirty glory stuck between too late and early morning, we sway through bums and streetlights, to 9th Ave from 28th Street in too tight tattered jeans and the envy of the present, safely removed from a future that can only end one way and the swift and thoughtless absence of what just happened. Hmm. Very nice. Thank you. And it is it is very much in your voice, and it is very different from the other two, and that's kind of the... I, I'm glad you chose that one because I really wanted to... To people to hear the range of your work. Um, that's Patrick Shea, everyone. And uh, Patrick, the name of your sports show on Blog Talk Radio, so people can hear. <laughs> balls Out Radio. You can find us at BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/BallsOutRadio. So for I all of you who recommend. are listening to the end of the show on demand, we are. Uh, you get an extra plug. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's my I'm pleasure. looking forward I really... to another episode of your show, and I'm looking forward to reading more of your work soon and seeing you at Starbucks again soon and all that other fun stuff, too. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. 
Um, that was Patrick Shea, everyone. Look for his work. You're going to see more from him. I, actually, whether you're looking for him or not, you're probably going to find more from him because he's going to he's going to get his voice out there. Um, have a great week. I will be back next week. I don't know what I will be telling you then, but I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Um, in the meantime, let's hope that winter is finally coming to an end. Those those groundhogs say it's so. So I'm going to go with them. Have a great week, everybody. Bye bye. <laughs>